Welcome back to the Get Published Summit. My name is Paul Brody, and I'm proud to serve as your host for our fifth consecutive year. And today we have an amazing guest, the one and only Marcy Pusey. She is a therapist, certified trauma and resilience practitioner, an award-winning author of books for adults and children, a two-times TEDx speaker, and the founder, let's see if I can say it correctly this year, of Miramare <laughs> Ponce Press. She enjoys helping fellow authors pursue, pursue their writing dreams by providing them with writing, coaching, and done-for-you, done-with-you publishing services. And today, we will be talking about creating a great book for your business and brand. Marcy, welcome back to GPS. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and let's go ahead and get started. So for a first right. question, can you share your journey and experience as a story coach, therapist, and award-winning author, because that is quite the combination. It is. Yeah. I share a little bit about this in one of my TEDx talks, my first one. Um, just I started with very humble beginnings. For a time, I was in a single-parent home on welfare. At that time, the publishing industry was gate-kept 100%, you know, so there, it wasn't like the thing you could grow up and be, really. At least it, it wasn't right on, I don't know. I don't remember being told, like, do you want to grow up to be an author? It was sort of like, do you want to grow up to be an artist? Like, no, those don't make money. So um, I just, I didn't even know. I but, but I always wrote to process different aspects of my life. And so it was always part of me. I share a little story there in the TEDx talk, a little plug. You can go listen to the story of how I really learned my pen could do good in the world at like seven or eight years old. Um, so then I, because I didn't know I could grow up and do authory things, I became a therapist which is great. I mean, there's a lot I love about it, but it, it still wasn't like mm, my true heart thing. I wanted to communicate with people um, broader than just in a one-on-one -on -one call, right? I wanted to to be able to share those things more broadly. And um, so then I grew up and the publishing industry changed a bit and made space early on. I tried it out. I was like, okay, what does the self-publishing thing look like? I had been in the traditional industry for a while and um, did it. And immediately had people who wanted more, more books, wanted me on their stages, wanted what I knew and my experiences so that I could share. And I thought, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> and then other people came along and were like, tell me how you're doing it. I want my message out there too. I want to get my story out. So I began helping people do that. And then simultaneously, as I'm still in therapy or in therapy and also in therapy, um, I'm learning about the brain and healing and trauma recovery specifically. And they finally began to converge this, this therapeutic part of me and this writer part, because now I understand the brain and how incredibly powerful and underutilized our awareness of it is in our writing and publishing journeys. So now as a story coach, I bring that therapeutic background in to all of my work, helping authors finish their books and overcome all the obstacles to getting them out into the world. And then I pass them off to you. <laughs> well, yes. And full disclosure, you know, Marcy and I do work together. She does send me amazing clients when you have some of the nicest yeah. people um, that Thank we you. can help with the book launch side of things. So you take care of all the publishing good stuff. And then I took care of the marketing. And I'll tell you, quick plug, I think you are just as good, if not better than me, with choosing categories. Now, I always like to say that we're on top of it, but you also do an amazing job Thank when you. it comes to the category selection and also just with that creative process. Because I think that's the biggest thing is really yeah. unlocking people's potential. And I feel yeah. that's 
you excel at. And that's where we talk about those three different elements that you bring in to help Yeah. people really with the writer's block, um, utilizing AI, which I know we're going to talk about Yep. a little bit more. But one thing I want to ask you, too, is how did you get started specifically in the world of writing and publishing? So I know you've touched on it a little bit, Yeah. but really, Yeah. how did you end up getting started and really taking that deep dive and making this transition? Yeah. I, it, I, so I hope this is an encouragement for anyone else who's coming along that the business I run, both as an author and as a someone who offers publishing services was not what I planned. Like I, I, so I didn't, I didn't have the business plan and all, I didn't know I fell into this. So I'm not saying that's ideal. Like if you know ahead of time that you want to start a business, like do all the learning <laughs> and the pre-planning and all of that. But the cool thing too, is that you can do it. You can fall into it and still be okay and get great people in your network and community. And some of that is because I was in the industry a while first, right? So I was in the traditional publishing industry exclusively um, for seven years before, mostly in children's publishing, a little bit in like adult nonfiction anthology, that kind of thing. And won't tell the whole story, but ended up at a conference with agents and editors where my book Um, which I had submitted anonymously, we all did, was used as the example for all the other anonymous books on how to write a good book. And still the agent didn't acquire me because she didn't care about my topic. And I and it kind of hit me like, you can have the book that is the example to everyone else on how to write a great book and still not be acquired. Like, what am I doing with my life? And it was right around that time that I had the opportunity to learn how to independently publish. So I did it like this. Nobody looked because the traditional industry was not friendly about the new options for publishing, right? So I kind of did it secretly. But that's when I got my book in the world. And immediately, a month later, I'm asked to be the keynote on a stage. I recouped all of my publishing costs within that same month. And all of a sudden, people wanted more. And I stopped being embarrassed about it <laughs> and sharing it even with some people in my traditional circles. And they started asking me how I, well, I am so tired of, of my words, not getting into the world. Like, how'd you do it? And so from people just asking me that birthed, like this business that I now run, eventually it was like taking time for my family or editing. Like I'm very good at editing children's books. Cause I'd been there a long time. So people were like, can I just hire you to edit my children's book? And yes, I love it. And so all of that birthed, into this way that now my family can live on but I also get to to do that from like my passion I there's a lot that gets me excited but like hardly anything more than seeing someone who had a dream to get their book out there get their book out there, there there's just nothing like the journey of overcoming all of the limiting beliefs that show up all the obstacles that show up and getting to that finish line and going I am good enough I could learn it. I did do it. Now I'm helping people. And we can, of course, keep growing and get better. But like that, that journey is so incredible. So now that's what I do. I get to help people on that journey and like be the little cheerleader. Like I knew you could do it. Excellent. And then as the founder of, again, I hope I'm saying it right, Miramare Ponce Press, Yeah, what I got inspired it. you to create a platform to help individuals, individuals get their books written and published? Because it really does bridge into this part of the journey. Yeah, I think it was one experiencing it myself, like getting to experience firsthand the possibility and then the way that doors opened for me just just by my willingness to do the the hard work and overcome my own obstacles and uh, you know belief issues and financial resources like all the things. And then to see to get the feedback that I was 
genuinely now able to help people in a new way was so powerful. And then I would come up alongside others who had that same passion, but their books weren't out there yet. I'm like, I could, I could be part of this. Like I can be just a tiny piece of your ripple effect by helping to remove those obstacles. And then in line with that too, I know you've got people of all different faith perspectives. So this is just my own personal experiences that one day I, I, I heard God say like, Marcy, I want you to shine where I've planted you, but I also want you to help others shine where I've planted them. And I saw this like coastline of lighthouses and understood that, that for me, that meant helping people who are already planted where they're supposed to be like shine even brighter through getting their message into the world. And so that, that like really answers that question. Like not only did I already have that passion, but then now I see it as a calling too, that I get to go out and help people shine, not shine. They're already shining, but like shine even brighter, expand the reach of that light to go even further. And just with the gifts that I've been given, that's so rewarding. I love that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, you and, and Joshua Sprague is also on the summit is a great collaborator too. And, and, and me, you know, I do feel that this is a calling, you know, I don't talk about yeah. this a lot, but our business is faith-based. I refuse to use that in the marketing it only comes up if there's a conversation that goes on that direction. Yeah. But I do feel this was a calling because I was a teacher for nine years, started my first book. I was inspired to write it based on the health crisis I had like back in 2011. I mean, long story short, it was based on just the mentality to help one person in their journey. And it's yeah. just amazing how it really turned into not only a new career, which again, like you, was not intended to be in publishing, but it, it led me in that direction just by kind of following the signs, yeah. leaning in, and now having the opportunity to, to serve our clients. We've done you know, 130 plus launches where we've been able to help a lot of people get their books out and do it properly, yeah. but also on your end, helping people just get the book out there, get it yeah. from your head out into yeah. the book. And then from that point, having opportunities to help them then get out further in the world. Because I really yeah. do think everyone has something special that they can share in the world. You just yeah. have to figure out what that piece is because everyone's an expert in something. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. So as both a therapist and a story coach, how do you integrate um, psychological insights into your coaching process to help writers develop compelling and, and I think this is huge, authentic narratives? Yeah, this I geek out on this so much. And it it is something I think that helps me to stand out. I mean, again, not intentionally, it just all kind of came together this way, but I've noticed the difference. And that is one, I have to keep very clear distinctions, obviously, between therapeutic work and coaching work, but I get to bring the flavor of what I know about the brain into my coaching. And so I, I geek out when someone comes and says they're stuck because of my psychological background. I understand how the brain in its survival mode is working, right? So when we see resistance, that tells me there's something in our brain that goes, oh, this is scary. And so if we can figure out what the brain is really thinking is scary, we can change the narrative and unlock that person. And I've seen that happen over and over again. And it's so much fun. I mean, a little shameless plug. I only had this here because I was using it on TikTok, but Overcoming Writer's Block, a book I wrote. And I, through all of my coaching work with different authors and my own experiences, um, came up with five different ways that authors get blocked. And it's 
I want to say it's like highly psychological in the sense that I'm looking at our brain and how we operate and what does that survival skill look like and how do we partner with it instead of constantly be battling against the tension of it and then tips and advice for overcoming it. So that's that's kind of how I bring them together is I have all the experience in the industry for publishing and good storytelling. But when an author is dealing with any kind of resistance, hesitancy, distraction, right? I'm like, ooh. I know what the brain's doing. Let's get it. Let's like, let's partner with it instead of keep fighting it. Well, this transitions perfectly into our next question. And that is how do you approach coaching writers who may be facing challenges in completing their books, which obviously we know writer's box is a big part of that. But are there specific strategies or techniques that you find most effective, especially with studying the brain? Yeah. So there's a couple of things right away that are so helpful to me. One is a tool that's free called the four tendencies. And I've often had my clients take that free quiz. Um, Gretchen Rubin is the author of a book and sort of the designer of this, of this tool, but it really looks at how we handle expectations, both the ones we put on ourselves and the ones that others put on us. And am I more apt to honor my own expectations or someone else's? When I know which one of the four somebody is, I right away have a sense of, okay, they're going to need accountability. So let's make sure we help them set that up. That's how they're wired. Or, oh, this person's going to actually rebel against accountability. So let's talk a lot about the meaning and the purpose behind their project, right? So so that, like, getting to know a person or getting some insight into how they're wired and for the author themselves, if you can understand a little of your wiring in the world of different unique people, there's less shame and judgment around why my process doesn't look like someone else's and more, okay, here's my lane. I'm, I can run this part of it real well. And I need to invite people to, to join me in other parts, right? So some people like writing, not a problem. I can get that done. But the publishing is daunting, right? Or in reverse, marketing is my jam, but getting like writing, I, I'd rather throw up. I had someone once say, I'd rather throw up than write. <laughs> so then we talk about that, right? So I get to, I, I gather some information about them uniquely first and help them to see their uniqueness. But then from that brain perspective, I'm going to dive right in and like the way the brain wants to keep us alive is pretty universal. So when I dig into the challenge specifically, then I can start to see what's going on, right? Here's here's one example. I had a children's book writer who was prolific and was writing a book series and was five books into the series already. And she came to me saying, I am so blocked. I can't get past this scene in the book. I have no idea why. Like I've never been this stuck. And so when we met and we talked about it, her main character was facing a bullying situation. And as we chatted, she shared that she had been bullied as a kid. And so we dug in a little bit there and it ended up that she was feeling bad putting this character that she loved had like walked with for four other books into this really painful situation that she had experienced. And so I had her write a letter to that character just about like, I'm with you the whole time. What, you know, I'm, this is the purpose that we're serving with this part of your story. You're going to come out on the other side and be okay. And she just bawled and bawled and, but wrote that letter and then it unlocked her. And she gave me the best first draft of a book I've ever had. But if she had just been sitting there by herself trying to figure out why she was blocked, she would have either tossed that book and, or, cause she just couldn't get past it. Right. And started a new one or not written anything ever again. But because I could come in and go, okay, there's some resistance, hesitancy here. There's what, what is it? What is your brain doing that's preventing you from moving forward? I can think about where, where her brain is operating. Is this brain stem? Is this prefrontal cortex? What's going on? And then dig in from that perspective. So that helped me to see 
okay, there's a connection here that her brain is making to something in the past and we were able to figure it out and it was incredible. And I have stories like that, all different genres, all different audiences, all different authors, but it really can come down to just those few things. What part of the brain is activated right now? Well, and one of the other things too I wanted to cover was obviously I think, and I think this is really affects a lot of people, especially with the first book and that's imposter syndrome. So what advice do you have for writers who are struggling with self-doubt or fear or the rejection during the publishing process and how can they over overcome that? Yeah. So there's a thing called metacognition, which is bringing awareness to our own thoughts. And it's really hard. I mean, I've seen all kinds of different numbers, but some as high as 6,000 thoughts a day that we might have. And most of those just go unchecked, right? They're just... So what I encourage people to do is to really capture those thoughts and and listen, what am I thinking and isn't even true? So for example, if someone comes along and says, um, I don't know if I'm a good writer. I don't know if I'm the right one to be writing this story. Then together with them, we would challenge that thought. Okay, well... Why wouldn't you be the right? Who else could who else could tell the story? Well, most of the time, like you said, we each have our own story to tell. We might share themes and topics, but no one else can tell my story for me, right? I write a lot for foster and adopt families. I can't write the story of a foster child, even though I raised them. I need to champion foster children to write their stories. And so there's a conversation there like, are you the right one? Yeah. Because you're the only one who can sell it. They'll say, okay, but maybe the market is too saturated. Like I'll use forgiveness because I feel like that's a topic that a lot of people want to write about. There's so many books on forgiveness. And I'll say, yeah, look around the world. Are we a forgiving world yet? <laughs> no. Then let's add your song to the choir. Like, because your particular voice might be the thing that for somebody they can hear and they couldn't hear all of the other ones. Um, am I good enough? Probably not. I mean, most of us aren't, but that publishing isn't a solo lone wolf journey. So all you need to do is get what you can onto a page, whether you're speaking it onto the page, you're writing it onto the page, whatever it is. And then you invite partners to come alongside, right? Every book on a shelf is not the first draft of that book. It has been heavily edited, especially if it's good. It's had a team come alongside it, right? You'll see all the acknowledgements to all the people who've been beta readers and edited, you know, all the things. So it's okay if we're not good enough in the sense of like, what if I can't write that American bestseller the first time? <laughs> like, well, that would be a miracle anyway, but can you put words on a page and give somebody something to work with? Yeah, we can all do that. I've gotten books in all kinds of shapes <laughs> and conditions and been able to help the author flesh things out. So I think it's really about coming back again to that metacognition. Like, what is that thought and why are you leaving it unchecked? Is it true? And and if it is true in some way, like, well, what does that actually mean, right? If you're not good enough, whatever that means, to write an amazing first draft, then what? Oh, then I invite someone to help me make it better. It does, the, the meaning doesn't have to be, therefore, I don't write. So it's really challenging those thoughts that come up, looking for what's true, not just letting them pass by unchallenged and hijack our dreams, but taking control of them and then saying, okay, well, what do I need to do then to be good enough? Okay. What do I, okay. Then I get to use my voice to make sure that the people out there who haven't gotten forgiveness yet <laughs> can get it through my story and see if that makes a difference.
With over 19 published award-winning books, what lessons have you learned throughout your writing and coaching career that you believe aspiring authors should be aware of? That's good. Um, I have learned that it all ends up okay. I've gotten negative reviews. I had a Twitter cancel cult culture cancel what cancel culture at some illustrator who was trying to not you know um take and exploit his debut book used me negatively for his launch I don't know I don't know why there's people out in the world but I had this like whole little mini mob on Twitter um and in the moment those things are so mortifying and painful but it's kind of like getting your driver's license where it's such a big deal when you're 16 or 18 or however old you are. But like then, you know, when you're 40, you're like, oh yeah, that was just like a blip <laughs> in a life journey. I feel like sometimes that's this too. All the things that feel so overwhelming and big, you're going to be on the other side of like in a minute. And the thing that you overcame is so good for your body to, to, to experience like, oh, I overcome things. That's going to help you in a way of resilience moving forward. But just being aware that when hard things come up, obstacles come up, haters come up, like it all passes. And our job is just to keep being true to our work. And so I would say most of our work is to help people, whether it's entertainment, whether it's self-help, whether it's inspiration, like whatever it is, right? We have our our lane and we just stay true to that and let the people they fall away they all fall away and the people who don't fall away are the people who really see value in what we do and want more of it um either from an audience perspective or you know a partnership collaboration perspective so i i would say that like don't just remember that when your heart is racing and it feels like the end of the world it's not and um keep doing what you're you're supposed to do and you get better as a writer with each book um, and so you, we, we do our very best and we put it out there and you should keep growing. So that doesn't mean like, oh man, my first book is trash. Like, no, it's not. It's still, my first book is, I still get so much feedback from, but I've also grown a lot as an author since then. So I guess that's a lot, but those are some of the things that, that come up for me that, that are still helpful. <laughs> In today's rapidly evolving publishing landscape, what trends do you see that aspiring authors should be aware of? And how can they navigate those to their advantage? Because this is something we were talking about right before this interview about Amazon and Ingram Spark and mm -hmm. all the changes that are going on. Because I think at the end of the day, it's it's really evolve or die, right? You have to evolve or you're not going to be around doing this. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, maybe that would be even another piece of the last answer is like the evolve or die like you know there's always going to be glitches just you just keep going you work around the glitches you learn it you figure it out and you keep going so trends this is where you mentioned ai earlier i mean right now as of this recording and it's overwhelmed our world and both in some really positive cool amazing ways and then also in some really scary unknown a little bit unpredictable ways. And it's definitely impacting our industry, right? There's, I've seen courses on how to write a book with AI in a weekend. And that's insane. <laughs> I have feelings about that. So I think one of the, both the trend that I see and how I'm choosing to navigate it is again, slowing down to pay attention. So I've got a lot of people, creatives, whether they're illustrators, cover designers, writers, right, in the industry who are seeing their content 
be used in AI production and creation, right? Because it's scanning the internet for everything that's out there published and using it without permission. And so as of this recording right now, the New York Times, I think John Grisham and a number of other big authors are suing um, AI companies for copyright infringement. And so we're right in a pivotal time to see how that's going to go, right? Along with that, I've seen in Amazon now over the last number of months, a new checkbox where they're asking, did you use AI for any of your content creation, image creation? That's distinct from, did you use it to help you write your book description or author? It's, did you use it for any kind of the creation of your content internally? And I know, I know they're pre-planning for how the regulations are going to eventually occur. And we're going to see that with this, with these lawsuits that are going to set precedents and change potentially everything. And I know KDP is ready to unpublish those books. They don't need you to toggle it, right? They're going to be able to scan and know, but, but they're going to be ready to be able to like immediately unpublish all those books until that's rectified. And so for me, I'm training my authors. I actually do have a, a free toolkit that I'll give you to give to our audience here and a mini workshop series on how to use it ethically and safely, like how to not compromise your own work, but how to also use it within a set of ethics that I use for myself. So that's kind of ethics, right? People have to like <laughs> figure out their own, but mine is I'm going to use it in such a way that I'm not scanning the internet to create content for what I'm doing. I'm going to feed it content and help me make it better or um, use it for brainstorming or even like um, marketing, content marketing, planning. Like there's a lot of ways that we can use it for the incredible tool it is, but I am opposed to using it in ways that are going to compromise the intellectual property of people in my industry, right? People that I care about. And so I would just say for authors and illustrators or designers to be mindful of that, it's cheaper. I've had someone say, well, I can't afford a you know, $1,500 illustrator. Well, can you afford to have all the work you did put into your book unpublished and unsellable when that comes down the line? Like we've got to think about the long-term effects. And does that author, that I've, I've known artists to see their work actually part of AI. So what if that artist sees that in your book, you have not, you, know, you have a lawsuit. So there's a lot there where I would just say, ah, oh, don't take the cheap shortcuts, use the tools in the way that again is ethical, according to my standards and safe, but also allows you to use this. It's not going away. So then how can we use it in a way that's, um, moving us forward and unblocking us and yeah, speeding up things where we can speed it up and saving money where we can save money, but not compromising the work of other people. Yeah. And I noticed on Amazon back in October, that question came up on a client upload about AI and they're tracking this stuff. And they are tracking uh, you know, it. Yep. I'll, I'll say one thing about AI real quick. It's great to use as a search engine. It's great to help you with gathering information, but don't have it do your work for you. Uh, one thing I always recommend our clients, if they want to use you basically want to take their entire manuscript, pop in a chat GBT and say, write me a book description, then use yep. that as the base, finish it in your own words. Yep. That's the only thing I ever recommend it for. I don't recommend it for the books because when you lose your authentic voice, we, we keyed on that yep. word earlier. Yep. When you lose your authentic voice, you don't want a book done by AI. It's like, I refuse to mess with that stuff. If I, and yeah. I have clients, I'll tell clients, like, if you're going to have AI write this book, go find another publisher because yep. I want yep. an authentic voice. I'm not dealing with that because I know exactly what's going to happen in the future at Amazon. They're yep. going to flag it. They're going to get rid of yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. That authentic piece, like, 
okay, maybe it can write a good book, but it's not your voice. You're, you're not, we say how important voice is in our industry too, right? That whether it's your own unique way of speaking as you write or character voice, if it's fiction, like that each, you would be recognizable by your work. And AI is going to remove all recognizability from work. Also in a long-term way, if it's writing our books for us, that's not our actual knowledge. And so now we're positioning ourselves to be experts in a topic that we might know a little about or think is cool, but we didn't actually write. And so that we're when we talk about imposter syndrome, that's almost the truth of how to become an imposter, right? How to become a fraud is now you're invited to have conversations on podcasts or interviews and you don't really know the topic because you had something else write it for you. So that's that's another consequence of thinking short term and like, oh, I'm going to do some market research. Oh, there's a gap here. AI, write a book to fill that gap so I can make the money and not think about eventually when that's kind of discovered that you don't actually know what you were talking about. How do you balance the creative aspects of writing with the practical considerations of publishing? And are there specific steps authors should take to ensure their work reaches its intended audience? Yeah, I, I isn't that the problem for all of us? Is like balancing that creative piece with the logistics. Um, in my case, too, especially because my work is also so much the logistics for other people, I have to be intentional to carve out time for me and then really, really honor it. So for my own creative work. So sometimes I'll get away, like I'm only a couple hours from the coast here in California. So I might take a weekend and say, this whole weekend is just for me to be creative or a certain time of day or a day of week, whatever it might be to focus on that piece. Um, I've started a sub stack and I'm playing around with TikTok. So that's been really cool for the creative part of me. I feel it's like operating in a way that's been a little bit dormant just by nature of my work. And so it's not the book production, but it's still where can I continue to add value to people about the things I write about or care about um, and, and engage that creative piece. And then, you know, the practicality part is easier for me because I could live and sleep through it. <laughs> I, I messed that up, but, um, and I get, that's you for launching too, right? Like you could do it in your sleep. So for me, the balance is really protecting my creative space. I think for authors who are trying to figure that out, that's where inviting partners can be helpful, right? So where I have authors who come and say, man, I love the creative piece. Can you do this logistical piece for me? Like, yes. And then they get to just do what they love and that they're good at. Um, I get some who like, will you show me? Will you hold my hand so I can learn it, but I'm not alone? Yes. So I think it's really about invite or story coaching. I'll even go the other way. Someone's like, I'm totally fine with the logistical end, but I really need help with that story development. Can you help me? Yes. So it's really about knowing yourself again and not knowing it in a shameful way. Like, oh, how come I'm not good at this? Or I don't like this, or I'm too old to learn that or whatever it might be. Instead of all that, blah, like get that out of the way and just say, okay, what do I love? What am I good at? And who can I partner with me for the places that I'm not good at? And I don't want to be good at or I want to be good at, but I need someone to hold my hand and just allowing, giving ourselves permission to be community together and do the work together. So that would be my advice is stop shaming yourself and just go find the people that you need in your corner to level it up and allow you to do the parts of it that you love the most. Marcy, I want to thank you for being part of GPS 24. What is the best way for people to find you online? And tell us a bit more about your, uh, your offer for us. 
Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Marcy Marie. Um, I'm on TikTok. I think it's Marcy Pusey. And my website, I think we'll have linked. There's MarcyPusey.com, MiramariPontePress.com. And so I have two things that I mentioned earlier. I have an author AI toolkit, which is a free guide at looking at how you can use ethically and safely AI to for each phase of the writing and publishing journey. So there's a section on how to like overcome a writing challenge, how to create a publishing asset and how to use it for marketing. And one of the things about AI is having really strategic, well-crafted prompts to learn how to get from it what you want. And most people don't have that. So the guide, the free toolkit has a PDF, but it also has a video. And so you can follow along. We've also got a prompt for each of those sections. You can copy and paste and play. And so by the end of that toolkit, you'll have, if you do it, you'll have an asset for each of those three things like before you're done. And then we built on top of that a workshop series, $47. You get four um, like two hour recordings where we go through all of the phases each one at a time. So there's like two hours on overcoming writing challenges, two hours on publishing assets. And we include all of the prompts for that too. So just really, because it's not going away, really, really trying to help support authors to not be afraid of it, which we talk about in the toolkit and in the mini course, not be afraid of it, but also how to protect yourself um, ethically again, and then use it to like level up the parts of your business as an author that you can. So I'm excited to, to share that with, with our audience here. Marcy, thank you once again for being part of GPS 24. And I wish you all the best in your author journey ahead. Thank you.